Today on Your Faves Faves, I am sitting down with one of my favorite celebrity chefs, Carla Hall. Carla first won us over when she was on Top Chef and then later came back to do Top Chef All-Stars and brought such joy and such positivity to everything she did, which was so different at the time than what we were used to seeing in competition cooking shows. Today, Carla and I are talking about her top five favorite kitchen gadgets. But in that conversation, we went off in like 27 different directions, which is my favorite kind of conversation. We talked about spirituality and what it means to be women in business and also why you absolutely need to add a potato ricer to your kitchen right now. This is my conversation with Carla Hall, and if you love it as much as I do, be sure and take a screenshot of the episode and tag me and Carla on Instagram so we can hear what you thought. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is your Faves Faves. I think that there's a whole grouping of humans who don't understand how important great tools are to cooking. My ex-mother-in-law, you know, cooking her whole life. And the very first time I went to her house and like was trying to help her in the kitchen, I'm, I'm hacking into the tomatoes. And I was like, Pat, Patty, do you, let me get you a knife. Can I just get you a knife? And, and her eyes bulging out of her head at how expensive a good knife. And I'm like, no, this will change your life. You don't even understand what is about to happen here when you've got the right tool. Yes. Yes. So when uh, that going to someone's house and I'm like, these knives are terrible and and people are working so hard. Oh my gosh. And if they're cutting on a glass cutting board, Oh, that also that that stresses me out. Who does? Why do out. those even exist? Why? That is not a why? cutting board. That is just a glass plate. It's a piece of glass. It is a piece of glass. Right. <laughs> Good. Yes. Good point. Yeah, that's not even on my list. But I'm like that. Would, yeah, that's a that. I mean, also that's a fun list. Is like the top kitchen mistakes people or the make. top kitchen do nots don'ts the the, yes. the don't get list. So that's on right. my don't get list. Okay. A glass okay. cutting What's board. What's on your do get? What's on okay, your do so get? I'm going to take notes. On my do get. Sure so we, we talked about a microplane. I, I just think yes. every kitchen needs a microplane. Right. It's the best $12.95 you're going to spend. <laughs> you know, and it's only $12.95, right? Uh, a peeler, a really good peeler. Because, okay. and, and I think that people, when you think about carrots, pe- peelers go up and down. Because if you're right-handed and you're only going down, then what do you do? Give it to a left-handed person so they can use the other side of the peeler to go the other way? Right. So, so you know, up and down, up and down so that you use it equally so that, you know, you don't have to give it to a left-handed friend. A potato ricer. So. Oh, I definitely don't have that. I know what it is, but I've never used it. How do you use it to make mashed potatoes? Yes. To make oh, beautiful, dang. fluffy mashed potatoes, it is the oh. only way to go. And not a ricer, oh, a masher. You need, this is the season for the ricer. You okay. will, it will change your life. It will change, okay. like in terms of potatoes. What? Ah! Okay. Uh, and, and all that banana bread that people were making, you can put the bananas in there, like. Psh, psh, psh. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Wait, we did forget to say this just for people who don't have a microplane. How are you using it? So, I mean, we're zesting obviously, but are there things that I'm not thinking um, of? Of course, zest, cheese, Parmesan cheese, chocolate shavings. It's like, like dusting oh, nice. chocolate. I use it for ginger. But so anything that's hard that you need to grate something over. The next thing, I'm all about tongs. I think tongs and uh, a really good silicone, hard, stiff spatula. I go back and forth, but tongs are my implement of choice 
So when I'm yep. putting something in um, a pan, I tend to use tongs to turn them because it's, it's a, they're right. an extension of my hand, like Edward Scissorhands. So I yep. love turning things with tongs. I rarely use a spatula unless I have something long and delicate, but tongs yeah. are my go-to. Are tongs something that you have multiple of the same thing that you like? Yeah. So like I have three pairs of tongs in my kitchen and I've got barbecue tongs. I'm the same way. That would be the thing that I'd reach for. Yes. Yes. I mean, I have um, small, medium, and large. It's like Goldilocks of the three bears. Okay. I have okay. like all, <laughs> all sizes. Yes. Are there other tools that you have multiple of something because you use it so much you, you want access to all the options? Um, it would be the silicone, like a high heat spatula. I have multiples okay. of those. I have different different ones of those. But I'm also, I love jars. You know, my husband's like, what's up with this jar? Are you done with this? I'm like, oh no, that's a great jar. <laughs> I, I mean, I can just visualize putting things in it. Just, well, actually, I, I was um, afraid that I was going to be late for your call. I'm like, oh, I have five minutes. So I'm making this ice cream cake. Can I show you my ice cream cake? Hold on. Yes. Okay. Show us everything. Ice cream cake. So when I, I had five minutes and I've been working, I'm doing this for my, my stepson. So I had this ice cream cake and I had this caramel, right, right? Right. Oh, is it stuck? That looks amazing. So it's like, you've got vanilla, then cake, then chocolate ice cream. So are you going to keep layering? It's a chocolate cake, vanilla ice cream, chocolate okay. cake. And then I had this ganache because I had... And I had, I didn't feel like going to the store to get more ice cream. So I I put ganache, but I made it with sour cream. So it feels like chocolate ice cream. Um, And then I was like, wait, I have some caramel. So I was like, oh, let me put caramel on here. And then I think I'm going to top it with some toasted shaved almonds and some crumbled cookies. Yes. Dang it. What a lucky duck. I know. And that I'm like, is this is so not on my plan. So I'm all about um, <laughs> making it for other people. I also am a big fan of cooking food for other people so that you also aren't the one eating it. That is hilarious. Right. So I have been, hence my jars, because I yes. have been making these care packages for people, like random, like random, and sending yeah. them all over the country. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. So I sent one to Val Warner, who's on Windy City Live in Chicago. And then I sent one to Yvette Nicole Brown out in LA. And then my agent saw me making some said, Oh, that looks really great. I was like, Oh, I'll just send it to you. It's not a part of my plan. But I, I just started collecting all of these things that I'm making in demo. So yesterday I was making hot chicken, like fried chicken and a carrot salad, but I, I had chicken pot pie. I made biscuits. I had greens. I had caramel. I had Linzer cookies and I just put it into a box. Like I'm the grandmother you know, sending these care packages. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, wait, I have, I have many questions about this. First, I want to start with, did you make the caramel that's in the jar? Yes, Is that why it's in the jar? I made the caramel. What? Yes, You're I made the caramel. Homemade? Yes. Whoa. It's an apple okay. cider caramel. Wow. Wait, how do you make an apple cider? How, so you, you, how you do the sugar. So you do your sugar uh-huh. and I do a little bit of lemon juice. And then once it comes to a boil, once it gets to that beautiful amber color, I dump in apple cider, a stick of butter, because it's caramel. Because you love yourself. Right. Right. So I do the butter and and then heavy cream. And then I add ginger and cinnamon. So it it tastes like just like this. Wow. Like a delicious apple cider donut, something that should go with an apple cider donut. And this is not wow. part of my plan. So as I'm sitting at the sink, I'm like, I got to wash out this jar, right? And I am like spooning this. Stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, I have a call. I, I, this is how my busy right. brain. I'm like, oh, wait, shoot, let me get up. So I'm, I'm literally waiting to like drink this. <laughs> that is awesome. <sighs> what? Wait, I had, I had another question about this care package. Oh, you keep saying it's not on your plan. What is on your plan? What's your so, typical? What do you typically it, eat? This is not typical. I'm typically eating everything that I make. So right. right now, my husband and I are working with a trainer. He started working with a trainer. I was like, all right, you know, two weeks after he started, I'll do it with you because I think it'll be great to do it together. We can buy some of the same food. So I am eating, like for my breakfast, I do oatmeal and fruit and everything's weighed. So that's <laughs> my last thing on my list is a scale. 
So everything is weighed. But I also like bacon with a scale. So that's a hint. Uh, but so my second, my second meal, which I call brunch or my second breakfast, is tilapia, a baked sweet potato, um, zucchini, and egg whites. And then my third meal, third and fourth meals are some version of chicken, rice, and a vegetable. And I have taken those three things and I'm like, oh, I'm judging this up. And Matthew's like, is that part of the plan? That's part of my plan because otherwise it's not sustainable. So right. I, I'm like, oh, I'm having Asian slaw today. And he's like, wait, what? Is that part of the plan? I'm like, yes, because I have chicken that I will only eat that it's cooked on the bone because he does his dry chicken yeah. breast and I'm not a chicken breast person. So it's got to be on the bone. And then I take my rice and I zhuzh it up with lime zest, lemon zest. So I, the, the microplane is my best friend right now. Ginger, right. Um, cilantro stems, and um, a little bit of pink Himalayan salt. So that's my rice. And then I do shaved Brussels sprouts and I mix all of that up with my, and then I have peanuts, Delicious. which is not part of the plan, but uh, come on, it's peanuts and uh, oil and everything. So it's, it's, that's really delicious. Chili flakes. I will also do that with, as a stir fry with other vegetables. I take the bones and make a soup and throw that in there. So that's part of that three trio. Yeah. So that's three and, and four. And how, how long have you been on this? For six weeks. How's it go? How does it feel? Uh, girl, feel can I different? show you? Okay, let me show you. This, I, I, you can show me I anything. love, Rachel, that this is show and tell. Let me show you. I, I can't even believe it. I honestly can't believe it. When I went to the trainer, she's like, okay, where do you want to work on? And I said, I really... I know it's probably menopausal, but I really want to work on this midsection, this belly, this gut that, that it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even know whose body this is. And yeah. <laughs> um, so she said, she was like, okay, all right. So we, we can work on that. And then, so once I, I was like, oh my God, I am, I can't believe it. I'm going to show you a couple things. So this was me the other day, which I could not believe. Yes. Oh my God. Right? That is hard. That hurts so bad when you're done. That Roman you chair like thing. Cut you in half. Yes. Oh my that God. That is impressive. Crazy. I couldn't believe that that was me. And then I'm looking down. So yeah, so that this has been like this thing that I am. Have, have you noticed a difference in like inflammation, like aches and pains in your body or brain fog? Because I find that when I am more like, okay, we're going to eat clean. We're going to eat, you know, foods in their natural form as opposed to, I live in Austin. So queso is everywhere. But when I'm more thoughtful about what I'm taking in, I feel like I can focus so much better. I don't need as much caffeine. Like it just makes such a difference. 100%. I don't have that brain fog. I am much more present I'm not doing as much sugar. I love sugar. And when I talk about sugar, I like, I love sweets, but I don't like really sweet sweets, but nonetheless, I just Mm -hmm. mask it with acid and salt, but I love sugar, but I don't have that brain fog. I'm not getting that. Um, wait, what, what? Honestly, I think one of the most powerful things that a, a woman can go through in her life is to experience something physically that you did not know your body could yes, do. Yes, yes. Years and years ago, I ran a marathon and I had that experience where I was like, I cannot believe my body just did that. And I feel like it's the same thing where you're saying like, I don't even know who that is. That's you. And it's sort of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You've always had that in you. I know. Right? You just had to tap it. That's so incredible. I ran a marathon. I wanted to do it at 40 because Oprah Winfrey did it at 40. Yeah, and maybe. I I didn't even know I was going to run a marathon. I was with some, a friend, and she's like, "Oh, I just need a running partner." I said, "Okay, I'll be your running partner. This is going to last for two weeks." <laughs> <laughs> two years later, we just kept saying, "We'll do a five k, we'll do a five mile, we'll do a ten k, we'll do a ten miler, we'll do a half marathon," and we just kept going. And we awesome. got to the marathon marathon thing. So I get it. It's like, wait, I can't believe I did this. Yeah, this was my before that and after. Look awesome. at that. That is that was a two-week transformation for six weeks. This was two weeks. two weeks. Yeah. Holy crap! That's awesome. Seriously, like just the just the all like everything just sort of diet came right on in. Yeah, it is everything. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, small. I'm meals. curious. I'm uh, I'm jumping around a little bit, but the part of the coolness of getting to do zoom is that I can see sort of behind you yes. and you have some of your tools 
on the counter. Like you've got mm-hmm. your mixer out there, you've got these, right? Mm-hmm. So do you feel like as a chef, does does that encourage you to cook more? Do you have those out just because it's easier than sort of putting them in and out? Like, is there a intention behind why they're on the counter versus in a cabinet? Yeah, so this here, so that's like a little cart thing. Oh, oh I didn't um, see Yeah, that. just look, I want you to, so this is my my whole like kitchen where I do, wow. I set it up. So this is where- Is this your kitchen or is this your like test this kitchen? This is my set you... kitchen that has become like a set since COVID rad. and we're doing all of these videos. So- That's so rad. It's, and, and having to pull everything out, I'm like, oh my God, I can't. I, I just yeah. can't put yeah. things away. Upstairs, when we had the mixer out, it was, it, it became like this eyesore. I'm like, oh my God, I just need to put that away. Right. But then I had to keep okay. pulling it out. I feel better that it's out down here because this is, this is where yeah. I use it this all the time. This is your space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm curious if it's so awesome that you have that in your house. Do you feel like in this time period, let's say the last nine months, which has been so wild and, and so crazy for everybody, do you feel like you have been more creative in this time period in working with food and testing out recipes? Or do you feel like less so? Because I find that in speaking to people, it's sort of one or the other mm-hmm. for artists. It's like you are either, people have either gotten really creative in kind of the pain of what we're all experiencing, or they're like, you know what, this is my season to hunker down and kind of let myself rest. I wanted to have the latter. I wanted to have the hunker down and rest. And and actually when the shut in happened, I'm like, this is great. I'm, I, I need to just be at home. I was exhausted. And I said, mm-hmm. I can be yeah. at home with my husband because I mean, and I understand the whole work thing. I didn't even care about not working. I had been traveling. I mean, after working in New York with the Chew. I had been going back and forth for eight years and then I still had an apartment there. So what this meant was I was coming home and I was with my husband. I've been with him longer and we've been together like face to face in these last nine months longer than we have, I think, in the 13 years we've been married (laughs) because of just things slowing down, which I loved. And I loved just being here and doing things that I never get to do, like work in the yard and think about food. That said, once everybody realized, oh, wait, this is going to last a long time. We need content and people are Mm -hmm. cooking. So we need food content. We were out hustling and telling people why they needed us. And then so that was fine. And then everybody kept rolling in things. And then it, and then there's this avalanche of things. And so it was a little overwhelming. And I was like, I don't want to think about food anymore. I, I And people are like, oh, my God, I'm making banana bread. I'm like, I don't really care that you're making banana bread. Oh, my God, I'm making bread. That's great. I don't care that you're doing sourdough. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't even yeah. go to the store and get yeast. I can't find it. So I went through that phase. And then I came back into, it was really creative. And and I think it was because once I said, this is going to last, let me have a space and I get to come down here, go to work and I get to leave it. And so when I come down here, mm-hmm. I know that I'm in a creative space and just having those, even if, if cooking isn't your thing, having a different space in your house for where you work, where you can leave and come back is just, it, it, it it's so good for the mind. And I think that puts you in a, a working mode. And if you have to live and work in your same space, I hear people talking about school is in the dining room. That's hard. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I love the idea of carving out a space, even if it was, you know, I'm going to carve out this spot on the yep. dining room table. And this end is where, you know, cause I have to have a work, uh, a space to work on. This is going to be, but I'm going to be really intentional about cleaning that up at the end of the yes. day or so that I'm not seeing it on the weekend. I was talking to someone, interviewing someone for the podcast uh, a couple months ago, and he was saying, oh, I'm going to probably misquote this, but he said, space has memory. Mm. You know, it has memory. And the things that you do in that space, it will hold that memory for you. So if if you, this is your table where your family's meant to come together and eat and and celebrate and you're using it to work and it's a really stressful environment and you're trying to get things done, the, the space is going to hold on to sort of the ghost of what you created there and the energy of what that was, which just feels like for a lot of people, we are figuring it out, trying to make it work. But if you do have the option of, of carving out a special space, it, 
oh, all the difference in the world. No, that is really beautiful. And like we we had been planning to do a reno for a couple of years now, so we haven't started, <laughs> but we we're into it now. Now that we have been living in our home. And, and then when I went to New York, we, um, I had to do a lot of demos. So I needed to live in a house and just by having, there was one place where I was doing my podcast with the little pop-up, um, sound booth. And then I had a place I was working out a place. I was doing my demos, a place I was meditating a place I was sleeping and, and thinking about I had all of these dedicated spaces because it wasn't my house, but I'd set up these things coming back to my house. I'm like, this is what I want my spaces to look like. And so my husband teaches yoga. He will have his yoga studio and he has his spaces because it's really important. And I didn't really think about a space having the memory of the things that you do in it. And it makes so much sense. And when it's dedicated, you just feel like, okay, focused. And now I'm here. It's like your bedroom. Why do they tell you you shouldn't watch television in your bedroom? Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Or scroll. Oh, yeah for hours, right? I'm curious if you'll let me just sort of follow a, another rabbit trail here. How long have you been doing this work sort of as a personality in the food space? How many years has it been now? You saw me for the first time on Top Chef in uh, 08. Okay. And now I, I think some, no, I'm not going to set this up at all. Did you know that you would be here today? Not at all. Not, not, really? not at all. I mean, when I did Top Chef, it was a personal challenge. I had no mm-hmm. expectations. I didn't really know about the show. I just went on to, uh, well, actually, I just enjoyed, I didn't think they were going to choose me. I'm like, this auditioning will be an adventure. And I was I'm going to go back into my life. And then when they called me, they're like, You're, you've been selected to be on Top Chef season five. I'm like, wait, what? And my life wasn't even set up to do it. I had to leave my business for six weeks and go and shoot this show. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to find when I get back, if I'll have a business. I mean, so it was a lot. It was a a commitment. And so I had no idea. Even when I was asked to do The Chew, which was in 2011, after doing um, Top Chef again on season eight, I wasn't sure because I said to my husband, this job is in um, New York. What do you think about it? And we decided as a couple to do it. So I made a lot of decisions in the moment based on what was happening at the time. I never thought about, and, and I know people go on Top Chef saying, this will further my career. This will do that. I never thought about that. I never, I'm, I'm, when I went the second time and I said no three times to the request, they were like, well, think about your business. And I was like, oh, like what everybody else does. Okay. <laughs> let me think about the business. <laughs> and the only reason that I went on is because I didn't want to cater anymore. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on and say, I don't cater. That, that was my motivation. I'm a recovering caterer. I don't, I don't cater anymore. And I just, I'm going to go on this show to say, I don't cater. <laughs> That is hilarious. And I think remembering back to the first time watching you, because my my husband and I at the time, like we love Top Chef. We watched every season. And I think what is today wouldn't maybe seem quite as unique as it did back then was you were so refreshingly joyful. And that wasn't the attitude of sort of what we saw in those kind of shows at the time Mm -hmm. or what we saw in any sort of reality TV at the time, was that even a conscious decision or you were like, I'm just going to show up here as myself. I said, I'm going to show up as myself. And at the time I was just excited. I really was genuinely excited for the experience. I was nervous. I was scared. I was all of those things. But when we talk about how when we do hard things, you know, to quote Doyle, Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle. You know, I can do hard things. I was like, oh my gosh, look at what I'm doing. Right. And I was like, I can't believe, and I I was like, oh my God, I am 40. I was like 44. I'm 44 years old and I'm, I'm having this new experience. So that was happening to me. And I was super excited. I was also on a, a very, I was on a spiritual path too, where I was, I was, I was reading at the time that I did Top Chef, I was reading Awaken to a New Earth by Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle. 
So I, yeah. I was reading uh, Awaken to a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. You can't bring in books and they go through, but they were like, you can bring in a Bible. I'm like, this is my Bible. I don't have a Bible. I have this, <laughs> right? You know, for me, it was like living in this in this experience, and I'm I'm going to, I'm going to get everything uh, out of it that I can. And I remember Padma saying later when she came on the Chew as a guest, and she said, I was the one contestant when they would mention something to me, and I would take it all in, and I'd come back, and I would give them exactly. I would incorporate their feedback into my next dish because I was like, this is sort of like a masterclass. I may never see these people again. So if you're on the top, you're on the top. If you're on the bottom, you're on the bottom. But both places you get feedback. When you're in the middle, you don't get anything. And I, w- I was okay being on the top and the bottom because I got direct feedback. Wow. Do you, have you always been that way? I don't know. I don't, the universe, and I, I wrestled with this. I said, I cannot believe that the universe will put me here I am a words of affirmation person. And mm-hmm. so to get such tough criticism really goes inside. And I thought that was really funny. I was like, I cannot believe that, of course, I would find myself on the show. I mean, I think the universe is much smarter than we are. And the yeah. in a place where you will get the most growth. And right. it was actually on Top Chef that I became comfortable with being uncomfortable and real and living in that moment. Honestly, it was restaurant wars. I just knew I was going home. Everything was going wrong. The, the oven picking up the wrong extract for my dessert. And it was between me and Radhika. And I remember sitting there looking at Padma and thinking, I'm going to go home and I, and, and being afraid of that judgment in that moment and my heart beating out of my chest. And, and then I said, wait a minute, nobody has ever died here because I was like, let me put this in the perspective. <laughs> nobody right. has actually fallen out and died here. And I was like, okay, that's probably the worst thing that could happen. I'm afraid of death yeah. and height. So, you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I can fall six feet. I'm six feet tall. I can fall down. I won't die. And I'm not going to die here. And, and something shifted. And when I didn't go home, that's when people started seeing me do much better. And that's when I started winning challenges because I had nothing to lose. I, I, I can literally yeah. be free. And that's the thing that I don't think we give ourselves credit for. We put so many blocks in front of ourselves because we're like, what if, what if, what if, but really what's the worst thing that could happen? For me, I think, I think about this a lot, especially this year and owning a business and so many things have gone sideways for us. And for the longest time, my foundation is always the people that I love most are healthy and safe. Yes. And at the end of the day, everything else can be taken away. Mm -hmm. Literally everything else can be taken away if the people I love are healthy and safe because not everybody gets to say that today. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if I get to say that, then I am blessed beyond measure and what a gift this moment is. Do you feel like you're still on, you said you're on a spiritual journey when you started that. Do you feel like you're still on your spiritual journey? 100%, 100%. And so when this pandemic happened, I mean, I always look at why are we going through this? I mean, for Mm -hmm. everybody to be, I mean, you go through it differently, but for everybody to be going through the same thing and experiencing it. And what I saw was, okay, universe, you want us to slow down? I want to slow down. So that's why I was also resentful when other people were like, go, go, go. I'm like, wait, no, the universe has to slow down. And you're, (laughs) you're actually trying to tell me to speed, speed, speed. So, so, you know, so there was that and, but two, right before the shutdown, I had just done this spiritual group, Athena um, goddesses with 10 other amazing women. And I think, and that was right before the shutdown and it prepared me to go through the shutdown. I, I was like, I cannot believe. And I believe that things happen for a reason when my friend Jennifer told me about this. And she'd been telling me for a couple of months. I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot to look at your email. Let me go and look at it. I said, oh, and we were having two weekends in Cincinnati. The one weekend that it was that it was starting was the only weekend that I was free. The only weekend on my calendar that I was free. And I said, okay, that's a sign. I'm supposed to do it. And then, the, and then we did it. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, everything was shut down. Wow. 
And was that like a group of women organize something together or that's an existing like thing that it, you can go and be a part of? Right. It's a woman named Brenda Rose and she does these retreats. And these other women had been doing it for many, they had done it for several years. Uh, it was my first time, but it was such a special group. And then we just ended it and all of in our last session, I mean, we were doing it, it was uh, 10 months and the last session was supposed to be in person, but we didn't feel safe to do it. So we did it on Zoom and it was, it was really magical. And so, so I still have my spiritual practice, but I really try to lean into whatever is happening in the moment. I really try to own where I am and, and my relationships. Like if something is annoying me, I'm like, okay, is this, is this my stuff or is it theirs? And, mm-hmm. and the way that I check on that, either I feel, if I feel frustration, I know it's mine. If I feel indifference, it's theirs. And, and so Ooh, that's, good. that's how, that's, that's my test. That's so good. Did you have this as a child? Was this something that was instilled in you or you went on a journey as an adult and sort of figured out these tools and techniques for yourself? I went on a journey, you know, I do a lot of affirmations. And so the affirmations, even though they sound, they sound great when people say them, but really somebody's affirmation comes out of their life. Because if I, if I say my affirmation, um, say yes, adventure follows, then growth, that's how I live my life. That came from my life. And um, it started out as six words of advice. However, as a child, I was always a, the balancer. So if, if there are two people who are at odds, I will try to be the, the go-between to as a, mm-hmm. a mediator. And I end my my parents said that I've always been that way. Do you have you ever studied the Enneagram? Yes, I'm seven. What are you? Yes, you're a seven. I'm a three. I'm a three four. I'm a I'm a seven three, eight. eight four. Okay, that's my best friend in the world is a seven eight. Mm-hmm. So I I do well with seven eights. I don't do well with eight sevens. I found that the opposite. <laughs> that, that one's a little tougher for me. I had my whole team do it. My whole team is three of us. Okay, so yeah. I had. <laughs> yeah. I had no, them do I, it. Same here. Yeah. yeah, it's so powerful to know. I think someone's enneagram number and their love language. Yeah. Especially when you're working together, because 100%. it's like, how do you? How can I love you? How can I tell you that you're doing a good job? And also, you just sort of presented something to me in a way that felt very disconnected. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, you're a five. That makes sense. It just, it's a great little language. Exactly. And then when you read it, you're like, it gives you the language to understand yourself. And yes, oh, so during the Athena sisters, that's where I learned Enneagram. Oh, cool. That's where I learned Enneagram. I and then the Colby, there was a whole Colby uh, analysis. What is that? Is that, Oh, someone's told me about this. I, I can't even tell you because I, I was busy that day. And so they're going, <laughs> they're going, <laughs> I did the test like, and they're going to tell yeah. me about Colby. And then even looking at Gretchen Rubin and her four personality types. So mm-hmm. um, I'm a rebel. Yep. There, I'm a rebel. Yeah. Oh, you're a rebel, which feels like that eight energy. That makes sense yeah. to have that, the rebel going on. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I think it's, is it the upholder? I'm the one who like, I am, I will do it myself. I will get up at 5am. I will check all the boxes. I will do all the things. Yes. Upholder, questioner, obliger, and then a rebel. Yeah. And then I'm I'm an upholder. Gretchen said, um, rebels do really well with obligers. And I had my husband do the test. He's an obliger. So I said, well, great. There we are. Do you know his Enneagram? He is a nine. Okay. Because have you ever read that thing where you do your Enneagram and his and, and then you read how they work together yes. and it's like, it's like reading your diary and it freaks you out? I know, so I know. No, it's so good. It's it's really, really good. I had my assistant do it. And what the funny thing was, so she did it. She said, oh, I'm a five. I'm like, of course, you want to be at home researching all that, blah, 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 information, information, <laughs> information. And then, so she was setting up a company. I said, set up your company because I'd like to pay you through your company. And what is the name of her company? But type five up. I'm like, you did not you, like you taking this. She's like literal. She's like, I am literal. This is what we do. That's hilarious. This is like, I just think keep popping in my head. I'm going to stop qualifying them. But have you ever been to Miraval in Arizona? 
No. Oh my God. I went to the horse. Wait, I, I went there with the horses. Yes. 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 Do you like paint a horse or you took the horse? No, I, I did. I did. Okay. So I was doing, what's the, not Miraval, but the other, the, oh my God, Canyon Ranch. So I've okay, been to yeah. Canyon Ranch a couple times. We went to Miraval to, uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was near Miraval, but we did a, a class, like an equestrian, a, equestrian thing. thing, right. With the horses. Got Have it. you done that? Yeah, I haven't done that, but I always feel like whenever I meet someone who's into sort of energy and Enneagram, any of the sort of woo-woo uh-huh. thing, I'm like, in a world where we're not inside of COVID, you have to go to Miraval, specifically the one in Arizona, because there's a couple others, but I, they're not the same. There's just, it is the most, uh, speaking of Oprah, years ago when I was little, because I've seen every episode of the Oprah Winfrey show at least twice. Oprah and Gail went to Miraval. She took her whole crew and they all went and they did like trust falls and whatever. It was the first time I heard about it. And as a little girl, I said, someday I'm going to make enough money. And I, I mean, I grew up so poor. So this was hilarious. But I'm like, someday I'm going to make enough money to go stay at that hotel that Oprah stayed at. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I got to go for the very first time. And it is so special. There's something so sacred about those grounds. And it is, you really are only going to be down if you are very woo-woo because you, the, the things you can do, obviously you can go get a massage, but you can go meet with a shaman. You can meet with a psychic. You can have your cards done. Yes. You can go literally paint the side of a horse. You want to paint a horse to work through your childhood, whatever. Great. That exists for you. You want to learn beekeeping. Great. Also at Miraval and the food is phenomenal. It's like farm to table. They have it right yes. there on the land. The chef is amazing. Oh, can't recommend it. No, it's, it's so someday when the world's normal. Someday when the world's normal, I want to go. But that's how I feel about Canyon Ranch in Arizona versus the one that is in um, Massachusetts. But mm-hmm. so this was the experience of the horses. So the whole equestrian thing. So there were three of us, and normally there are about eight people. And you start out with grooming the horse, and it was all about a trust exercise, and it was about intention. That was the, the whole class was mm-hmm. about intention because horses are very intuitive that, you know, it's not about what you say to them. It's about what they're picking up in terms of your energy. So what are you truly mm-hmm. saying? And there was a lady with us who had cancer. And as she was leading the horse around, he was just nuzzling her neck and Aww. just like really loving on her. So first we groomed the horse and then we had to lead the horse around the corral And if your intention wasn't to move that horse, it wouldn't move. So my friend, Lori, who was afraid of the horse, the horse wouldn't move. And she was like, it won't move. And he's like, you are afraid of it. And he knows you are never going to move that horse. So you go through this whole thing. We're walking the horse around. And then the last exercise is that you're standing in the center of this corral and you have a stick and you're with the trainer and he says, okay, I want you to use the stick and point to the horse. And it's as if you are, I want you to close your eyes and you just point to that horse, keep moving and saying, move. And you are moving this horse with your mind and your intention. So I'm like, okay. And I was pointing at this horse. This, this horse was galloping around this thing. He was galloping. He was like, I mean, oh my God, it was crazy. And then he says, okay, put down the stick. And then now I want you to just get really calm. And then I did that. The horse walks up to me and he says, now I want you to walk. And the horse followed me around. It was in freaking incredible. And so what I said, when you go as a woman, when you go into a boardroom, you set your intention before you get there and you watch people like come to you. It's not all, right. a lot of people are forcing from the outside, but they haven't really learned to do it from the inside. And that is the magic. I literally could nerd out with you about these topics. Like I, I'm like, oh, let me tell you about this uh, energy healer I went to. But <laughs> oh my God, I went to an energy healer. Oh, oh, how was that? Oh my God. Okay. So I wanted to do an energy clearing and it was in yes. New York and okay. I couldn't even speak. He said, I need to work on your feeling side versus your mental side. When I left, 
And he was like, okay, I had to give him my credit card. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even tell him how the thing, I, I was like, I can't speak. He said, yeah, because you don't have the language because now it's all feeling. Okay, there's this, if you ever come to Austin, there is this person, and I literally don't say her name because I've talked about her several times on this because I, we've already sent so many friends to her that I feel like she's never going to have appointments available again. This is going to sound very hippie to people who are listening, but just go with me. Um, she's an energy healer and she is working on childhood trauma, like yourself at different ages and ancestral trauma. So going back generations and all of it is about how this manifests in your body. So like physical pain you carry in your body based on stuff when you're little or stuff five generations uh -huh. back, 40 uh -huh. generations back, whatever. It is so crazy. She doesn't even touch you. And right. you were laying there having physical responses to what she's saying, like starting to cry, starting, you get chills. Like it is so, yes, eat that. Yes, yes, it is so. You're talking about this crazy. and I can't help but to eat caramel. Right, right. So I'll tell you the first time that I did it, she was, I carry a ton of tension in my neck and shoulders and I, I do so much work to try and help this tension go away, whatever. And so the very first time she's working on me, she's not touched me at all. She's like, oh my goodness, this tension in your, your neck, like, let me, okay. So let me, and she's thinking, she's like, okay, it's on your left side. Okay. This is your feminine. This is your feminine side. So this would be your mother's side going back. And she's sort of counting generations. She's like, oh my goodness, the women in your maternal side, they're just so angry. And she says this, and my dog who has been sitting there dead asleep this entire time, she's like, they're just so angry. The dog sits up and starts growling. And he's, she's like growling at the room. And we, I got chill. I'm like, oh, my love invited angry ancestors into this. And we do this whole thing. People listening are like, oh, Rachel's gonna go straight to hell for this witchcraft. But she's like, they're so angry. And like, they, they, they feel very angry at God. And they feel very angry at the church. And, and I'm thinking back through my mother, through my grandmother, and all the generations that I know, and there is a lot of that. And just talking about it, because the whole thing is subconsciously, right. we do not know the difference between what we imagine and what has actually happened. Yes. Our body doesn't know the difference. So she's literally just talks me through like, okay, well, if your great grandma 10 generations back was here, what would you need to say to her? And what would you, and it was, I've sent friends, I've sent colleagues. It is the most powerful, crazy, amazing experience ever. It's, it's wild. Oh, I, I, I will be calling you. Best friends to do it. I'm going to oh. be going, look, I'm going to get an Airstream. I'm going to drive to Austin. Yes, yes. <laughs> that feels right. Seriously, if you are ever here, we'll No, we totally it have to go. Wild. And let me tell you why it's so important, especially now. So there is a woman who does a lot of racial healing and her name is Milagros Phillips. And she talks about how any trauma, like for a race, whatever, it lives in your body. It lives for seven mm -hmm. generations. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, imagine like all of the, even all the African-Americans who are here and how many yeah. generations from slavery we are going through. And when somebody yeah. says, look, get over it, it's been 400 years. No. No. Right. Yeah. The, well, so interestingly enough, before I, because I had gone through this experience and I really wanted to, to have my best friends go. And two of my three best friends are African-American women. And so I asked this, this healer, I said, you know, we're talking about ancestors is this going to be, is, is this going to be more traumatic for them? Is there, and she said that like, Rachel, you can feel it. Like you can feel the oppression. You can feel the bondage. You can, you can physically feel it when you're doing this work. And my two girlfriends did it and it was so powerfully healing mm. to, to, uh, to reclaim power. Yeah to like, this is my best friend always, she, she tells the story of the first time that she went to, it was a history, I'm forgetting which state it's in, but it was a, a, a African-American museum and it starts with, you start by walking through a slave ship 
And she tells this incredible story of, we call her Beans. So Beans is telling the story, it's a long story. So Beans is telling the story of this woman, this tour guide leading them through. And she's going through and Beans says, as she's telling the story, she says, I'm getting more and more angry. I'm feeling rage in my body as she's telling the story. And, and this woman's saying like, the whole time she just kept saying, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would feel like to be pulled onto this ship? Can you imagine what it would feel like, you know, for half of you to not even make it and, and all of the atrocities? Can you imagine getting off and surviving and, and, and being this funny story? And she's like, and I'm, you know, I'm crying and I feel rage. And she's like, and I know what this woman's going to say. Right. She's like, I know she's going to get to the end of the speech and she's going to say, can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the pain? Can you and she says she gets to the end of it. And this tour guide, uh, an African-American woman, she says, can you imagine the power that's running in my veins? Can you imagine what it took to be here, to survive that, to be standing here right now? And she flipped the script on what Beans thought she was going to say in that moment. And I'm, I'm not, Beans tells this so much more beautifully than I ever could, but the, the energy work on, I, I, I can't even fathom, but even just allowing yourself to, to talk about it yes. and to consider it. Right. And the, the, uh, and one of the things that I think we're um, getting again on a whole other tangent, but the worst thing that ha is happening or happens on social media is I think often white women asking African-American women to explain it, mm -hmm. to help them understand, right. to give them the tools and resources that are available everywhere <laughs> to, it's like asking someone else to, to own the process for you. Yeah which then creates this pain and this trauma all over again. Yeah, Sorry, I'm gonna no, but that, I, I mean, people have come to me and I said, that is not my work for you. That is not my work it's to not. do for you. Because in the journey of finding out those answers, you have to walk through that. You have right. to go through that. Right. But one of the things that speaking of being and, and going through the power. So one of the things that I do, because I do believe in reincarnation and, and people are going to hear this podcast and I, I'm probably going to be like the devil incarnate, but. Um, both, both of us, both of us, that feels good. I do believe in reincarnation. And I have said in this lifetime, I am in this black body, in this black female body, and I'm here for it. And when I think about slavery and, and the, how I take my, how I choose to take my power back is thinking the same way that people went out for gold and to get all of these, the gold to have, they went out for these people who had the knowledge and know-how that they needed to bring those people over here who knew how to work with cotton, who knew how to grow rice, who knew, who had the skill set for these things, who knew how to cook and to manipulate food. That is the stock that I come from in this lifetime, in this body. Mm -hmm. And so that is powerful for me. And so you have to own it. I mean, there's a company called Black Cotton. And if, if, if you're black and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to support them. Do you wear cotton? <laughs> Okay. Do you wear cotton? You know, because if you do, it's like to take control, to take that back, right? Don't, right. don't be mad. Don't be mad, Twan. <laughs> gosh. Oh my gosh. I honestly could talk to you. For oh, I know. Five I know. We're like two hours I later. covered every subject. We started with kitchen tools. That's why I love this podcast because it goes in all the directions. I do. I do want to be cognizant of time. Before we finish though, please tell what do you have going on? People want to go grab the latest cookbook. They want, where would you like people to go and hang out with you and interact and all that? So I do have my latest cookbook. It came out a couple of years ago. It's Carla Hall Soul Food. And why I love that, it, it talks about soul food, but the everyday dishes as well as the celebration dishes. And please don't get stuck in that soul food is only fried chicken and smothered pork chops and pig's feet. Okay. So then there are lots of vegetables. It's an agrarian cuisine. Okay. So then there's that. So then 
I also <laughs> I also have my podcast, which is called Say Yes with Carla Hall. And I talk about how through adversity you have created success in all of these different people because it's 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 like a diamond in the rough and, and the pressure. Pressure creates beauty, but you have to take your power back. And then I have the Holiday Baking Championship coming out. Then now, now, now that we're after Halloween Baking Championship, I will be on the Holiday Baking Championship. And 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 that's it, you know? And then I'm going to take a Just break. those few things. <laughs> Just those right. few things. Yeah. And on social media, what's your favorite platform? Uh, my favorite platform is probably Instagram. That's where I do my recess, which I, I do to to do a couple more recesses. It's just, I love pictures and words, you know, but I, my favorite thing has really been to listen to people's podcasts, but yes, for me, Instagram, but I'm also, it's Carla P. Hall, P as in Patrice, Carla P. Hall, and then Facebook, um, Chef Carla Hall, and then there's Twitter, Carla Hall. <laughs> but, but Twitter's a dumpster fire, so everyone just stay away from that. I know, that. yeah, I really, I really like Instagram, and I, and through the pandemic, I had just grown this base of, and I, I will make a post and I, and I decide for that post that I'm going to answer every single person, even if it's somebody who is making wow. um, a comment that, that isn't in my favor or challenging. I will ask myself, am I frustrated or am I indifferent? If I'm frustrated, there's something that they are saying to me that I have to look at. I have to, and I will. So, you know, that's why I like Instagram and I go back and forth on Facebook. It's like too many notes. People write tomes. I'm like, stop writing those tomes. Right. Why, why are you writing right. a thousand right. words? <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Carla, I hope that this is not the last time that we get to talk to each other. I hope that someday we get to meet in real life Me too. and we live in a world where I could give you a hug, but I sincerely appreciate the time. This was such a Ah, oh, I am hugging you so much. This was such just honestly unexpected unexpected, unbridled joy. I feel like uh, a soulmate that I'm talking to. So thank you. I will see you in Austin and uh, I'll make my appointment. Yes. Ahead of and time. we will get, yes, yes. And then we, so what we do with our friends is you go see this energy healer and then we have drinks and we talk about everything that you just uncovered. Okay. So we have great. a date. We have a date. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Your Faves Faves is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support from Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Your Faves Faves is a 3% chance production. Faves Faves.